Investor. We're talking real money. To the sound of the dueling leaf blowers, we present another lovely edition of the Talking Real Money podcast with Don McDonald and Tom Cock, your hosts. On today's episode, we are going to talk about not talking about money. Nobody wants to, you know, we we talk about money and yet people don't talk about money. We really don't talk about money. Do you talk much about money? Do you really? Think about it for a minute. Do you sit down and have long conversations about money with people? If you do, it's probably like, well, do you think Tesla stock's going to keep going up? Or did you buy that NVIDIA or whatever that was? Did you get that latest hot stock? What's the market going to do? What's the debt ceiling going to do to the market? But you don't talk about money, like real money. And with you... Maybe one of the most important places to talk about it, that is one of the least talked places, is with your family, Tom. It's a fascinating thing. And I'll give you my family history on this. Okay? So Yeah? Okay. I grew up in what you'd have to say is a upper middle class family. My father was a physician. My mother did in today's some, parlance did not work some, outside of the home for some a Some might of my life. call you wealthy. Some yeah, I, with a doctor, yeah. okay. some. All right, there, there you go. So I was waiting for that. This is why we don't talk, talk about money. This is No, it's exactly why, because money, right, equals value. People think, well, Stature. you're more important because, yeah, you mm-hmm. on the social ledge, you're, mm-hmm. no, it's not the social. Social no, strata. Strata. Strata, thank you. You're higher Cause, up cause you, because you, you're if you were on the ledge, money. then the only place to go is off the ledge. And- <laughs> That's a good point. You're you're further up. I mean, if Bill Gates comes into the room, he's the most important guy in the room, right? Eh, maybe. Unless it's like you know the guys from Succession. I mean, you know that they're they're like super rich. They they, come, they might give him a run for the money. Romulus comes in and takes it right down. Uh, yeah. So money, yeah, is this taboo topic? And this comes again, this, this topic comes up because Jonathan Clemens has a new book that he edited and in it, he says, money is the last great taboo. People will tell you about every other aspect of their life, even their sex life, but they will not have an honest conversation with you about their money. They will not tell you what Mm. their net worth is. They will not tell you how honestly they're in. They won't, won't be honest about how their investments perform. They will not tell you their salary. You should be discussing yeah, all this stuff. I don't, I don't stuff, talk. About, I, I don't talk about my sex life either, but that's for other reasons. No, that's uh, but no. But mon- you're very. It's very interesting. This this whole idea of not talking about money. It is. Uh, it's almost like parents, particularly. This is this is particularly a parent child dynamic. Mm-hmm, parents want so. to keep their children in the dark about the money that they have, and I don't know if that's because they want to make it some. When they die, some big Christmas surprise, you know, like, hey, kids, look what we left you. Instead of kind of explaining along the way. And, and, and it seems to me that there are some better ways to handle it than that. Well, and let me ask you a question. So, yeah. again, going back to my upbringing, it just wasn't discussed. If you right. needed something that required money, well, you don't then you either don't need that. It never was. We can't afford that. I and. But let me ask you a question. How do you deal? How did you, because they're all gone now, how did you deal with your children and money? In other words, if somebody said, hey, I really want that, and you knew 
you didn't want them to have that or truly it was outside of your budget. What was the message you delivered? Uh, until recently, uh, dad's too poor to get you that. <laughs> See, now I think that is not a good way. Actually, maybe that is the right way. In other words, to tell people, well, here's the budget. Here's how much we have. You can't have it. We, yeah. I we mean, don't have the bucks you know, for it. Yeah. We, we helped them out where we could, but, uh, you know, if they wanted a nice new car, they, we worked together to get them a used car that they had to be responsible for paying for to some extent. And maybe they got part of it for a birthday gift or something, but we rarely, rarely handed things over. And I had to tell you, I love the way my wife's family handled handled it. Her dad, the 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 colonel, as you know about colonels, yes, of course. Uh, he actually did sit down with his three children and discuss what would happen. And I, I'm talking about the estate end of it. What yep, would happen the in their end. adulthood? Yep. Mm-hmm. In their adulthood, and he worked out a very very fair structure. Because he realized that your kids sometimes need help along the way, like one of mine right now needs some financial help along the way. His deal with the kids to make all of this seem eminently fair was it was fully disclosed. Yeah. One brother needed help with uh, a, a repair to the house that was $20,000. That brother got the 20000 but that went what? in a ledger. That ah, went into a ledger. We've got the same system in my house. That deducted it from the estate so that all the kids went, well, mm -hmm. and they all knew what the amounts were. There you go. I think that's very smart. So let me give you a couple of other, I think that's a great idea, but let me give you a couple others to try to do better when it comes to talking about money. And this is the hardest one, maybe at the beginning, you got to be honest with yourself about money, how much you really make, how much you really take in after everybody else gets their piece how much well then the vast majority of people are are just are just uh they're they're shafted on that one that they, yeah, they don't even know their own lives so. yeah no they don't most people really truly don't in fact it's uh, this is astounding from this piece it said 43 percent of people don't know how much their spouse earns now i bet my wife couldn't tell you if i asked her how much she probably wouldn't know even though i have sat down many times and said here's kind of how much money comes in every year. Here's kind of how much we're spending. We're spending too much, but she wouldn't know what. So I don't think my wife that that's. So number one is be honest with yourself. Number two is starting small. In other words, don't just the idea of what your wife's family has done, which I think is perfect. And I have loaned some members of my family money and that is growing with interest and will go against anything they might receive. I think that makes sense. But start small when it comes to this. That's why I was asking about what you did with your kids. Because my daughter, for example, is a very sweet person. And she she went out to have something to eat yesterday with her friends. And she got there and found out that her card didn't have enough money on it to buy anything. She texted me. I te- I put, and that's how quick this can be. I transferred some money right in there. So she wasn't embarrassed by the fact that she didn't have any money on her card. But I said, This is why you this summer need to work for your mom to make money so that it goes in there because you're capable of doing that. You're capable of earning it. And now you're learning what things actually cost. So starting small, here's the other one that never works in my family. Maybe it doesn't yours. I, I from time to time, I truck from time to time, tell my wife, we, (laughs) maybe this is why the messaging is poor. We need to sit down and talk about money. 
And what does that sound like? Does that sound good? It sounds like a scolding's a coming. <laughs> it does. It doesn't. Yeah. It, that's probably poor choice on little so Tommy. Can... Tommy, uh, Tommy, come on out to the woodshed, <laughs> son. Come on out. Ready? That yeah, sounds like fun. So, and I think I even use the word so we can get on the same page, right? That never. That's mm-hmm. money meetings it are a good idea. It definitely sounds like a lecture. Yeah. It's not going to be pleasant. And then. Again, back to the, you know, sort of being honest as a couple, being honest as a family and setting those goals. But those would be better things. And and I didn't quite finish the point. We never in my family talked about when I was growing up money. It was not. It was just wasn't discussed. And it was the same situation that you mentioned that really towards the, my dad died first. My mom outlived him by five years. But towards the end of my mom's life, I was saying maybe we should tell everybody about the because I was taking care of her money. Said, no, no, no! I don't want. I don't want anybody to know. You know. I said, well, why not? No, why? no, no they they find that out later. Uh, okay, uh, so I, okay. I think it's kind of strange. Well, to that I, e- to that end, actually, I have a variation on that theme. Personally, I have informed all four of my children that that just count on there being nothing there when I die. I don't care. Just count on there being nothing. I don't. You know. I don't. I don't. I have it now, but it's for me and Debbie. It's not. If you need it, we'll get, we'll help, but no, count on nothing and then be surprised if there's something. Which is, I I think, similar to what my mother used to say, even though she certainly knew there was going to be something at the end. So get out there, be honest with yourself, talk, start small, have meetings, set some goals and try to overcome. I want to add one more. I want to add one more. Once you, and this, this prerequisite is required. It is essential. Once you understand how to really invest and build a portfolio for the long haul, once you've really gotten it down, you're no longer a a day trader or a market timer or a hunch player or a sector transactor or a rotation rotator, a, a sector rotator. Whatever. It, once you've gotten over those things and you really do understand how this works, talk to your kids about that. That now, and that's the sooner good. you and, can, the yeah. sooner the better. Are your kids all following that? <sighs> or do you they, know? Tori, yeah, uh, yeah, Jake, yeah, actually, except for one who really doesn't have anything, yeah. They actually okay. are doing pretty yeah. well with that. My because kids would be they've scared to do anything else. Me. Yeah, they'd yeah, be scared. They've listened it's to me like, for so many years. It's like, yeah. well, that's but but I'm talking yeah. about people who don't who aren't on the radio, who aren't doing podcasts. Just sit down with your kids and go look at this globally diversified portfolio, and let's just talk about if you do this, what will happen in the future? Well, no, you got the first so, part. Yeah, the first part is you got to save something. You got to talk to right. them about. Setting aside the minute you make, you've said this before, the minute you make anything, some of it should be set aside for your future. That's it. Got to happen. And you got to start that discipline early. And one of the, one of the, and we've talked about this in all kinds of different aspects, but one of the things that I think really works well is when they first get into the workforce, when they generally aren't making much money and saving is hard, living is expensive. At that point, when they first get into the workforce, if you can afford it yourself, instead of having money to give them when they're dead, when you're dead, take some, a little bit of that, 500, a thousand, if you can afford 5,000 and put it in a Roth IRA for them when they have earned income 
so that you you help get them in the in the habit, the and then they get a chance to see what it does. Yeah, they get a no, feel for it. Absolutely, I think that that is absolutely spot on. So, great advice there. As I say, uh, get going and overcome this taboo. We got time for a quick question here. Yes. Okay. Oh gosh, yes, yes. All right. Okay. This comes from Karen in Maynard, Massachusetts. Hi, guys. I'm still listening. I don't know Maynard. I'm still listening. I don't know what. I, I don't well, know, but, that's good. I mean, she hasn't enjoying stopped. Enjoying the show. Okay. And have another another question. Oh, she must have asked us a question previously. Thank you in advance. If following Paul Merriman's 10 fund ultimate buy and hold, 50% U.S., 50% international portfolio, his recommendation is to put an equal percentage in all 10 funds. That would mean... 40% of your equity portfolios in small cap, right? Because you're dividing U.S., mm-hmm. you're dividing. Yes, okay. it would. Sure. Yes, I see that. You'd be U.S. small uh, value, et cetera. You'd so have a right. heavy I've, tilt to value too. Yeah. I've heard you recommend a small cap tilt to about 20 to 25%. What are your thoughts on the 10 fund with that much in small cap? Thank you. Go get him, Paul. Why are we plugging Paul Merriman again? <laughs> Well, always get a certain off. amount off the clock. Okay, well then that works out. Um, it, it depends I, if if you're if you understand the whole concept of volatility and the reality of it, and it will occur. You will lose what appears to be a lot of money at some point with a heavy small. Like right now, small is just getting hammered by large. Yep. Yep. Um, Again. So you have to be able to live through times like this, but if you can, the the past has shown that a tilt towards small in value would have made you an extra percent or so a year, and over time, we're you know really talking real money there. So yeah, no, and I think the question she has is, are you okay with forty when you really suggest twenty to twenty five? And the answer is, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, everybody's different. We just try to keep it more toward the the middle. And Paul does tend to swing for the fences a little bit more in his He's recommendations. Yeah. I don't think he does that in his personal life, but no, he, does he does in does. his recommendations. He's- He's, he's very concerned. Yeah. Half in month. He is. Yeah. Well, he, mm-hmm. I think he figures he's won the financial game. One more time for one more. Sure. Elizabeth from Colorado Springs, Colorado, the home of the former business radio network. And the form, well, the former home of Don McDonald yeah, for well, many that, years. Well, that's the reason the business radio network was there, because you were there. Yeah, of course. It's uh, of me. Elizabeth asks, I have $26,600 in an HSA at Fidelity. That's a lot in an HSA. I have no immediate mm-hmm. plans to withdraw any funds. I've been stockpiling my receipts. In addition to Medicare, I have TRICARE for life, so I will not need this account very much. That's exactly wow. right. You won't. Right now, my account is split into four different Fidelity funds. I'm satisfied with the performance of one of the funds, but not the rest. (laughs) She doesn't say which one. (laughs) I bet the one that's been performing better lately, just a guess. Uh, Are four funds too many for this? Yeah, for sure. Are four funds too many for this account? How many funds? Okay, here's the thing. If this account is truly unlikely to be used for any short-term medical needs, I would have it basically probably all in stocks. Why not? And then you're just going to balance between the previously mentioned large, small U.S. 
international uh, and U.S. international you know, large uh, small value growth. I'll get that. Can right I just give since it's twenty six thousand dollars? Yeah, what you're maybe you're something at, easier. You're at, you're at exactly. You're at a number where why make it so complicated? Fair enough. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Use A V G E. Oh. Well, it that says Fidelity. Small, I'm assuming at Fidelity you could still buy the ABV. You can buy, of course, you can buy an ETF at Fidelity. So just get out of the Fidelity funds because there's no tax ramification to doing so, and get into AVGE, which is the Avantis All Equity Markets ETF, which is probably less expensive than some of your funds. I don't know what funds you have, but if there are any actively yeah. managed, it's definitely less expensive than those. And it has this massively diversified portfolio that's 70 U.S., 30 international, which reflects the market right now, by the way. And they own um, just a ton of stuff because it's a fund of funds. You've got a, a large cap, an international, and emerging markets, uh, large cap value, small cap value, international, real estate. All this stuff is in there already, and then you don't have to deal with it. I don't know. Yeah, I idea. love that. Yeah. I got another idea too, by the way. Okay. Sure. Get help. Get help from who? Well, from us. Uh, I just oh. talked to a woman today who's pretty good investor, uses index funds, been a great saver. But she was really surprised when we analyzed her portfolio and found out that 1%, only 1% was in small cap value. When our portfolio is about 8% in small cap value. Shocked, actually. She's like, oh, I know so little because most of her money is in target date funds. She has some S&P mm -hmm. 500 and then she has U.S. large growth. People so don't all understand. Large, it's all growth. It's the same thing. Yeah, you're owning yeah. it over and over again. So we do a report absolutely free. Talk to one of our advisors. We run it. We give you the report. She's going to make some changes. Sounds like she knows what she's doing, but it was a big help. So we do that absolutely free. We love By the way, how many people signed up for your Saturday? I don't know yet because the world being the way the world is, even though it's going to air on th Thursday, I haven't heard back. So we'll find out sometime okay. soon. Well, that's yeah. good to know. Uh, yeah, you can do that really easily, too. Doing it is so easy. Oh, and, and I forgot the best part of all. You know, when you hear these shows, these podcasts and the shows on the radio where they say, Oh, yeah. Come to the office for a free consultation or call us for a free consultation. Doors you, locked you know what behind you're gonna you? Get? Yeah. yeah. You're going you're gonna to get the Matt Lauer doors. Uh, the, the switch is right under Ouch. the desk. Um, but instead of the other stuff, you're going to get sold stuff, hard sold stuff. Mm. We will not, not, not try to sell you stuff. That's an absolute promise. And so far, all of our advisors have allowed us to keep that promise since like 2010. That's a Nine. long time. Nine. Okay. Since 2009, even longer. So go to talkingrealmoney.com. That is our website, talkingrealmoney.com. And just look down the page a little bit. It says, meet an advisor. You pick the time. You pick the date. And if one of the regular advisors won't do it, Tom will get up in the middle of the night to do it. Uh, early morning might be better because I'm okay. Not he likes early morning, night, but yeah, okay. But I'm all right. We'll see. I'm flexible. I'm happy to chat. Do you have any night owls in the office? We'll do the overnight shift. Oh yes, of course we do. 
Oh, good. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. And by the way, keep uh, listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, enemies. I don't care. Just tell people to listen to Talking Real Money on their favorite podcast service. And uh, also call us on Saturdays live at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, because we do a radio show then, and it is conversational. We talk. You talk, we talk together as we are talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. And to keep the lawyers happy.